This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, July 26th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. Patrick, a lot to get into. Let's start by translating what Ryan Day said at Big Ten Media Days on Friday in Indianapolis. People are like, wait a minute, translate what he said? Yeah, we love Ryan Day. I mean, I don't want to speak for Patrick. I love Ryan Day, and but he's a football coach. He's not going to tell, like when jerks in the media like me ask him, like, who's the leader at quarterback? He's not going to tell us. He's going to say it's even between all three of them. There's no way on this God's green earth that it's even between all three of them, Patrick. Uh, one of them's ahead. Ryan Day knows the pecking order. He's just not going to tell us yet. I do believe he thinks it's close. I believe that, specifically between C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord. But he knows who his, what his pecking order is entering camp. But he told us, nope, all three of them are dead even entering camp. Translate what he meant to say there. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, it's – it's funny to think that they could all be even at this point. I mean, the exact quote he said was, I mean, to me, it's even. We'll see how the last few months, how these guys have changed. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I get why he says it. We've talked about it a lot, but, you know, that there's clearly a, a leader, a guy who um, had a better spring, um, has had a better winter. And, and I know he's not as involved in the winter because he can't be or sorry, the summer, um, uh, because he can't be, but obviously he's talked to coach Marathi. Um, he talks about how these quarterbacks have all changed their body. So, you know, when we were at practice last spring, we saw CJ Stroud go first nearly every time, right. Um, in the spring game, he looked the best of the three, right. Ryan, they saw all that. Uh, so unless something has drastically changed this summer or something drastically changes in full camp, you know, he's, he's, um, going to be the guy. I think we can all agree on that. But Ryan Day not only, I think, wants to keep all three of these guys as happy as possible, but also, you know, I do think it's, it's very much a competition. And he wants them to come into camp believing they've all got a shot. You know, even in his mind, what, what good does it do, aside from letting us write stories and fans feeling like they know things, to say that C.J. Stroud is ahead right now? It just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't do anything positive inside the program. Um, having these guys come in and, and fight for this job, A, is, is going to make the guys who don't win the job better, but it's going to make the guy likely CJ Stroud better because he's going to have to come in and be at his best. So, you know, if, if CJ Stroud thinks he's the starter already or knows he's the starter already, he probably thinks it. he's been in camp. Um, you know, he, he may come in and, you know, just, just not feel like he has to give it as much. I don't know how CJ Stroud handles his things. I assume he's very professional about it, but you want everybody fighting for it. And I think that's what Day's looking to accomplish here. Um, and, you know, I, he, he's made it very clear in the past. I mean, even when Justin Fields came in, 
he said he was going to still have to earn the job. And we all knew that Justin Fields wasn't transferring to Ohio State from Georgia to fight for the job um, with a couple guys who, who also transferred and were not on his level. So this is how Ryan's going to do it. We know how he's going to play it. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. He also said he'd like to have a starter named within the first couple weeks. So, you know, that I think is, is, is probably as straightforward as we got when it comes to the quarterback position. Yeah, like you said, I don't fault him at all. He's playing it exactly how I would as a head coach. Um, and you're right. I almost forgot about two years ago entering camp. He was still sticking to Justin Fields and Gunnar Hoke are equal. Chugs, all three of them right. are pretty equal. We're thinking, uh, no, they're not. No, they're not. But Yeah, um, that guy went on to be a Heisman finalist that year. Let's remember that. Yeah. C.J. Stroud has like the fourth or fifth highest best odds to win the Heisman. So he hasn't even named yeah. a Ohio State starting quarterback. You go to, I believe he has the fourth highest odds to win the Heisman. He hasn't even been named Ohio State's quarterback yet. Vegas knows. Um, I also want to get into his comments about the interior of the offensive line. I asked him a couple questions about that. Um, we know who the tackles are. They're set uh, with Thayer Mumford and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer. They also really like DeWan Jones as a third tackle that can step in there and if one of those guys gets hurt or needs a rest or whatever. But, Patrick, the interior of the offensive line is intriguing to me. I wonder if it's as simple as – well, I think it's pretty clear Paris Johnson's going to be one of the guards. We know that. He talked up Paris Johnson. He stopped short of naming starters. But it's pretty obvious Paris Johnson's going to be one of the starting guards. I think it's pretty obvious Matt Jones is going to be a starter. He's got to earn it. He's got to be more consistent, as Coach Day said. That leaves center. And it seems like from his comments, uh, Harry Miller is probably the leader there. But uh, Luke Whippler is also in the mix. Matt Jones can also play center. But I asked Coach Day, I said, is it safe to say it's Harry Miller's job to lose? He stopped short of saying that. What do you make of the interior offensive line spots? Well, I even go back as far as in the spring when we caught, talked to Coach Greg Strudrawa, who, you know, Harry Miller did not take part um, in, in spring practice. Well, he did a little bit non-contact towards the end. Um, but, you know, at the time, he said that he thought Harry Miller was going to be one of the top five. So, you know, to me, that meant, you know, pencil Harry Miller in unless something changes. Now, which position I think is still up in the air whether it's back at left guard or at center, but he was recruited, let's remember, to be a center. He was the backup center. It didn't go well against Michigan State last year, so I think he's definitely going to be in, um, unless Luke Whipler comes in and, and um, wins the job. But, you know, it seems to me that those are, the guys you named are the front runners for the various positions uh, heading into fall camp. Things certainly change in fall camp, and I think that's part of the reason, too, Day doesn't want to come out and, and say, definitively on anything because you never know what happens. You know, a guy could get hurt and miss some weeks. And then all of a sudden another guy makes a, makes a push. And now he's the starter. And, you know, you're, you're going back and looking at what Ryan said at, at big 10 media days. Um, so I understand being hesitant, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think those are probably your five starting offensive linemen. I think where um, Harry Miller and Matthew Jones line up on the starting offensive line is, is still up in the air. Um, if I had to bet, I would say that Harry Miller moves back to center, but that's just more of a guess on my part than, than anything. Yeah, the way he answered the question, especially specifically when he was at the podium, the 15 minutes, the official 15 minutes was aired live on Big Ten Network. I mean, translating what he said, it seemed like Harry Miller is going to be the starting center. Um, but uh, again, yeah. though, I like that he's not, even though we're having a little fun on the show there, here today, translating what he meant to say. I have no problem with what he's doing there. Get, get these competitions going. Don't hand any jobs out yet. Now, there's a difference. Like, Jeremy Ruckert knows he's going to be the starting tight end, and Ryan Day has no problem saying that. Like, Thayer Mumford knows he's going to be the left tackle. Ryan Day has no problem saying that. So there are certain spots that are locked yeah. down. But Haskell Those guys has, have earned that. 
Exactly. Exactly. Those guys are juniors and seniors. Most of them seniors. Zach Harris is a guy is locked down a starting spot. Tyreek Smith, Zach Harris, but all three of the player reps were so impressive for Ohio State. All three of them. I mean, just I mean, I, I'm just so impressed with Zach Harris and Thayer Mumford and Jeremy Rucker as people. And if Chris Olave could have been there, um, he would have been extremely impressive as well. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Again, translating what he said about the linebackers when asked, I, it seems like he's concerned about the linebackers. He doesn't know what to think. They certain guys are older, like Taraja Mitchell, Dallas Gant, um, Kayvon Pope. They're waiting on Pele Gateote if he's going to be on scholarship or not. At least he's with the team. He's paying his own way right now. They also have some young guys, Cody Simon, uh, you know, Reed Carico, Tommy Eichenberg, uh, Mitchell Melton if he's healthy. But it seems like Dave's concerned about the situation. Was that your read as well? It was, and I think that's fair. You had three guys, and you know, say what you will about Tough Borland, Pete Warner, and Baron Browning. I know they had their ups and downs, but I think there were honestly more ups than downs uh, over the last few years. And, and then obviously Justin Hilliard and the way he came on um, once he was healthy the last two seasons. You know, that's four of your top linebackers right there that you know are gone, and and a lot of experience, um, a lot of tackles. Um, you know, just a lot of plays in general. So, you know, he, I mean, Brian even admitted at one point that similar with the quarterbacks, he would like to have gotten the linebackers into games more had there been, um, you know, more games, non-conference games, uh, games where they ran away with it. It would have been nice to get a guy like a Dallas Gant, a Taraja Mitchell, you know, those veteran guys who you expect to be the next guys up, but they still have to earn it, get those guys into games and get them more reps. Um, you know, and also one thing you brought up a number of times, and I think this really applies to these linebackers, they missed a thousand reps in practice last year from spring practice being canceled, the way preseason was, the lack of uh, weekly practices that they were able to do. So, you know, I think that really affects linebackers. I definitely think it's a concern. Now, does that mean that once they get in a fall camp and they get these guys back out there, they won't find three linebackers who are very good for this Ohio State defense? No, not necessarily. As you mentioned, as you listed all those guys, there's a lot of talent in that room. It's just, you know, as, as, he's, as Ryan said multiple times, um, he doesn't sleep easy at night when that talent is not experienced talent. And I think that's the big thing with the linebackers and a couple other positions, but specifically at linebackers. So, yes, I think he's definitely concerned. So we know the D line is going to be great. That's why I just, I just you know, skipped over that. Um, the concerns in the back seven. I mean, I have no doubt this defensive line is going to be elite, one of the best in the nation. Um, but the linebackers are concerned. Secondary is a concern, but translating what Ryan Day said, I think he's optimistic about the defensive backs. I'm hearing great things about what Matt Barnes is doing. Kerry Combs is now free to – obviously, he's going to be heavily involved in what they do uh, in the secondary Kerry Combs, but he's freed up to just be the defensive coordinator now. Um, seems like Ryan Day really likes the young talent they have there, and they've got some older guys as well, like Seven Banks and Josh Proctor and a few others, but translate what Ryan Day said there. I felt like he was pretty optimistic about the secondary. I agree. I think more so than I expected, at least, yeah. given what we saw last year and kind of how we've talked about it all offseason. You know, I think that's, in most people's minds, one of the biggest question marks. And he seemed to be, as you said, optimistic about it. Um, young talent, very much so, that, that needs to step up um, in a big way. I do think the return of Cameron Brown, who he said should be healthy for, for fall camp, um, is big. That's a guy who last year, you know, had he stayed healthy, Maybe he pushes seven banks more. Maybe he takes that job outright. Um, you know, obviously a guy who came in as a wide receiver. I like what he gives them speed. His, he, he's a rangy guy, which, which is always good back there. 
Um, I think another year of Josh Proctor will, will be big. I think he can develop nicely. Um, but, you know, the way that you saw Lathan Ransom come on at the end of last year, I think gives you some confidence. Um, the way that, you know, we saw highlights and, and stuff on social media of Cam Martinez making plays throughout spring practice, uh, you know, that makes you feel good. And obviously, Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts, um, we talked about when, when you were on uh, the radio here locally that, you know, they're going to need at least one of the freshmen probably to, to be in the two deep and, and contribute. And, you know, it sounds like there hasn't been a lot of film on these or a lot of reps up for these guys, but it sounds like Ryan Day's happy with what they've got coming in. So, um, yeah, I mean, I fully expect this secondary to be improved. It would be hard for Ohio State not to be improved with the past defense with the way it was last year. I think having a full off season just to just to work on things is important and something they didn't really have last year. So I see the reasons for optimism, but I was surprised given kind of his uh, approach to some of the other things. They did sound as positive about the secondary as he did at media days. Let's switch gears to finish the show and talk about expansion in uh, in college football conference expansion teams, leaving obviously Texas and Oklahoma is who we're talking about here. When this first was broached, I'm like, Sounds good, but they're not actually going to want to go to the SEC. Oh, I was wrong about that. Um, sounds like they absolutely want to go to the SEC. Looks like it's going to happen. Um, not right away. I believe they'll they'll have to stay in the Big 12 if they want to leave until 2025 or something like that. Yeah. What are you hearing about this? What do you expect will happen? Your, your guess is as good as mine on this. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, each day there seems to be more rumors or things about you know, if some team, you know, Texas A&M is going to help veto and get other teams to help veto this move and whatnot, you know, for from a Texas, Oklahoma perspective, especially an Oklahoma perspective, I'm not really I don't really understand the move. Um, you know, you've, you've got a free pass almost to winning the Big 12, which almost always gets you into the college football playoff as long as you don't lose, you know, uh, one of the one of the early games like they have some years. Um and Texas, who every year seems to think Texas is back, to me, you'd want that easier path to the college football playoff that the Big 12 would give you instead of maybe being the third, fourth, whatever team in the SEC. So I'm sure money is hugely involved. Obviously, it's not all about football, though that's a big part of it. Um, so, you know, if this happens, the next thing is, is the dominoes that fall in, in conferences around the country, and that includes the Big 10. And, you know, I've said that the Big Ten has to get this right if, if, they, if they are going to expand again. You know, for as much good financially as Rutgers and uh, Maryland did, getting those, those markets involved with, with the Big Ten network didn't do much on the football field um, at all. And uh, Nebraska really either. So you know, this is a time when, when if other conferences are just going to get better, and specifically the SEC, the conference you probably battle the most head-to-head in terms of, uh, you know, eyeballs and things like that, you need another another team that's maybe not Ohio State's level, but is going to attract attention. And, you know, whether that be you go to the ACC and talk to a Clemson, talk to a North Carolina, um, you know, I, I think those are probably the two names that, that make the most sense if you're going to go that way. I know there's talk about the Big Ten potentially going national and looking out at the Pac-12 and, and maybe a USC and Oregon, which seems crazy to me. But you look at some of the some of the non-power five conferences these days and how spread out some of them are, you know, it, the geography doesn't seem to really matter anymore. I don't think the Big Ten does that, but it wouldn't entirely surprise me. You know, I, I just think you have to get, you know, if, if the SEC is adding a Texas and Oklahoma, you need at least one team that has that kind of cachet when it comes to football. And, um, you know, the, the Big Ten needs to be be on their 
you know, on their P's and Q's on this one because you do not want to fall behind. Um, Ohio State's carried this conference for far too long. You know, if Michigan and Penn State could get back, if Wisconsin could continue to, to be a regular contributor, I think you're doing all right. But if the SEC is adding two big boys like Texas and Oklahoma, you need to be right there with them. Notre Dame will be interesting. I don't think Notre Dame yeah, has anything yeah. to do with joining the Big Ten, but we'll see. I, I mean, I think if they join a conference, they already have the relationship with the ACC. They want to right. be more national. They don't want to be stuck in the Midwest as far as in a conference. Um, although the Big Ten brings in a lot more money than the ACC. So I don't know if that, if, if Notre Dame had to join a conference long-term, if they would still pick the ACC over the Big Ten, but they probably would because Notre Dame has plenty of money. Well, great stuff out of Patrick Murphy. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.